This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Clore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast, the Inside Ford Performance version. I'm your host, John Clore. I'm the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, and I have with me, of course, my co-host, the man that everybody in the hobby knows, the president of the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, Mike Ray. Mike, it's a special night again. Absolutely. What an honor to talk to our special guest tonight. You know, it's kind of like AM radio, Mike. Um, when we come to our Ford Performance Inside podcast, we kind of, it's like the the old slogans you heard back in the 60s and 70s, and the hits just keep on coming. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> total superstar here tonight. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, in case um, we haven't prefaced this enough for you, we are speaking tonight with Janine Bay Teske, otherwise known as Janine Bay, yes, the Janine Bay you all remember from the Ford Mustang program back in the 90s, and also the woman who was really behind the start of the SVT program, um, uh, Janine, in case you didn't know that, um, she she's a Central Michigan person. We, my brother went to CMU. I took classes there. She's also out of Lawrence Institute of Technology. Uh, so she's a Lawrence Tech person, which is great. Um, but coming through to Ford and uh, starting there in product design engineering, a really cool place where a lot of our great engineers come from. Then winding up as the vehicle manager in special vehicle engineering, being the manager at SVE, which was the precursor to the formation of SVT managers, um, really set the ball rolling when Bob Rui and Neil Ressler uh, tried to, to, to create a niche group at Ford and make something special out of just regular cars. And Janine was there at the very beginning. Of course, that moved her on to, um, she became, she went to vehicle durability and then became the vehicle line director for Mustang 94 to 98. That means she had a big role in launching the 99 Mustang. And then eventually, uh, the last time I saw her, she was um, director of, um, I think it was in vehicle personalization when uh, she was running that whole group with the accessories team. And then right around 2000, 2001, Janine disappeared. Of course, see, that means she, she moved off. She retired after a wonderful 25-year career and moved out to the, the wonderful area of um, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and now is very involved out there, both on the school boards and uh, involved in real estate. Of course, a woman that works as hard as Janine is not going to, she's not going to lay around and watch the sunsets. Janine Bay, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, thank you, John. Thank you for having me. No, I know everyone who knows Mustang has seen and heard your name, but you've been out of the public eye in, su in such a long time, at least in the Mustang public. And we really wanted to spend this time with you to go back and talk about some of the things that you did. And a lot of people that don't realize that the seeds were planted with SVT really back at the SVO era when the engineers got together, put a car together, and everybody knows about the SVO Mustang. And back then, I remember being at Auto Week, and the, the slogan was, the car that sells itself. Well, they didn't sell as many as they thought, because sometimes cars need a little bit of marketing, 
And I think that's where Rui and Ressler got it right um, to create the special vehicle team, multifunctional group of people who not only to build the cars, but also to sell them to special de dealers who understood the enthusiast customer. And Janine, that's where we need to start with you. How in the heck did this gal going to college get involved with cars? When did this car thing first hit you? Well, first of all, you know, I was born and raised in Dearborn. And I used to look out my window at Ford and see my high school across the street. So I guess you could say the blue blood was in me from the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. The SVT thing is a really interesting one, John. When um, I remember it was like back in 1990, you know, Mustang was getting really, really tired at that point. And they hadn't been putting, you know, Mustang really needs to have, I would say, some spiff every pretty frequently, actually, to keep buyers coming back. And so Neil Ressler and Bob Rui put their heads together and decided, well, let's see what we can do to get a little bit of attention to Mustang by creating a performance model. You know, if you think back to SVO, SVO had some, I would say, some major successes and some um, drawbacks associated with it. Mm -hmm. One of the drawbacks Neil felt was that um, it really didn't pull together the company, but it was thought to be sort of an offshoot more than it was part of the company. Was that because it was so different with the technology, Janine? No, I think it was because of the way the organization structure was. Oh, okay. So Neil took it upon himself to try and put this vehicle together. By the way, I will say on a very, very tight shoestring budget. Oh, yeah. That's the way it is for niche groups. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that was floating around at the time, John, is you, you probably remember this. The, the name Cobra right. has some interesting history to it. And the Cobra name has bounced back and forth between Carroll Shelby and Ford Motor Company. As we were doing the 1992 Cobra, so I'm talking, like I said, in the 1990 timeframe, Ford was at the point of losing that name because they hadn't used it in so long. And so when we do the 92-93 Cobra, I honestly was challenged by it because whereas the product really did, you know, it put some extra horsepower into it, it you know, it really did do some to get attention to Mustang. It really didn't merit a Cobra name. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so much legacy with that. And, you know, back in a, when they were dropping it out of Canada, they had the Cobra, the GT Cobra, the Cobra GT. The last year of that, they said, man, if we don't use it, you're right. We're going to have to, we're going to lose it. And yep. I know how hard you guys worked. Basically, you used racer uh, mentality. You went in the parts bin, what are the better heads? I need a better cam, better compression, all the things you guys did to try to get, you know, that was the last year of the Fox body. So you couldn't be putting a lot of money in a car that was going in its last year. But the Cobra was, I think, just significant enough, just enough of a bump to at least get people's attention until your new uh, SN95 came along. That that must have been a super challenge. It really was. And, you know, you're, the way you expressed it was really about right as we went into the parts bin. However, you know, you can't lose sight of the fact that we still had to meet all the emission requirements and all of the stuff that the feds wanted from us as well. So it was a huge challenge. And, you know, the team was small. The budget was, I don't even remember what our budget was at the time, honestly, no. 
but the budget wasn't very much. And the other thing is we really had a lot of attention, you know, because we had both Neil and Bob Rui. Um, yeah, vice presidents both. Watching over us, which, yeah. you know, it's good and it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you're right. It's it's not, it's nice to kind of work. Well, Coletti loved to uh, only, only call them when they needed air cover, what he called uh-huh. it. But you're right, Janine, and I think it's uh, the whole SVT concept is what got me to leave a very lucrative. Um, I love my job at Auto Week. I'm a Detroit kid, you know, and I went, I worked 15 years at the Detroit News, but always wanted to be an auto writer. But Bob Irwin, the auto writer there, wouldn't retire. I think he was 115 when I left. Uh, so I had to go to Auto Week. But the jump ship to go to Ford SVT was the way you guys put the, and I know you worked on the marketing side with John Plant. Bless his soul. Yeah, he came out of BMW. What a character he was, Janine. He was. And, you know, John and I kept real close contact even after I moved to Wyoming. Oh, okay. He would come out and visit and we'd have dinner and stuff. So, yeah, it was. uh, So did you get along with him on the marketing side? Oh, very well. Yes. Wow. Because at Coletti's table, he'd be on one side and either Tim Boyd or Tom Scarpella would be on the other side. And it was always the tug of war between engineering and marketing. It was the most wonderful weekly meetings in the world. <laughs> to go. But, but plant was such a John was, you know, I think to launch SVT is something like that to talk about supple suspension. John was such a passionate, um, uh, he loved the Euro feel of driving and he could really get into wax poetically about driving on the marketing side. So I was wondering how you as an engineer would say, boy, is this guy crazy or what? Well, you know what? When you use those phrases, I can see him in his hand gestures, can't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I only worked with him for a while, uh, but he, he really left an impression on me. And, you know, and he talked a lot. You know, he was on the SVO marketing side as well, or as a consultant. And, you know, like a guy like Mike Ray, you know, Mike, you were a longtime Mustang guy, but you got you bought into the SVO. Didn't you own an SVO? Yeah, um, I had an 86 SVO, the jalapeno red. Um, but, you know, this SVT following is just huge and still growing by the day, John, as you know that. So Janine being one of the main founders of that. And Janine, I think, uh, wasn't Robert Burnham uh, with the truck uh, team involved with that as well? And can you tell us a little bit about how the 1992 Chicago Auto Show, when you guys um, launched the Cobra and the Lightning? Yep, and indeed we did. And, you know, um, the interesting risk of all of this is, as you say, Mike, it does have quite a following, but it was like we had to create that following because, you know, there still was a legacy of SVO, but we wanted to move this beyond SVO into, you know, the whole dealer certification process, making sure that the customers were treated special when they went in to buy their SVT products and whole uh, nine yards. So yeah, it was um, it was a huge effort. And you know, John Plant, John Clorox would played a huge role mm-hmm. in that whole dealer piece of it, and trying to coordinate with the region folks and pick the right dealers, which was another controversy, by the way. Yeah, he, you know, Janine, um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, you're up against doing the car, but um, SVT had no advertising budget. SVT right. had our own marketing. You know, I my boss at Auto Week, Jim Sawyer, left to go to SVT because he was intrigued by selling a vehicle to enthusiasts through the enthusiast media. I mean, and they stole us out of the Buff Books because they said, "Who better to sell uh, our car through the Buff Books to somebody who's been working there?" So a lot of us came from uh, Cynthia Clay's, uh, Chris Sawyer, Jim's brother, uh, Mark Ewing. A lot of these names that you know 
to market that car came from the Buff Book industry. You guys sold that car with no advertising and you didn't make very many of them. And I think that was kind of, that was kind of appealing, Janine, at least, I mean, for, for a guy at Ford who sells Mustang to, to sell something in such a small niche batch, wasn't that kind of difficult for you? It certainly was. And, you know, I guess not to, you know, soften my image here or anything, but, you know, I was pregnant during this time. That's right. That's right. That's and, right. You know, I don't know if you remember, but I believe it was auto week, but um, I went into labor on Sunday night and we owed you a car on Monday morning. Yes. Yeah. So I as think I'm in labor, I'm talking to the folks trying to make sure that the car's ready and that you all. Are... <laughs> yeah. It was Jim Sawyer who got that first Cobra. I think it was either a black one or a teal. I, my first SVT car at Auto Week was a teal Cobra, but it's right. You were pregnant and, and John was uh, like beside himself with the anxiety of launching the brand. And Janine, when you think about the launch and like, as Mike said, you know, not doing it with the mainstream in the middle at the Chicago Auto Show, which, which later became the signature for SVT. Yep. And then to do this little niche car. And then the very next year, turn around and make an SN95 out of the Cobra. Was it, um, you worked with, was it Will Body or Mike Zevelkink or who who helped you swing that onto the SN95? Uh, Mike Zevelkink. Okay. So then you became, um, after you engineering that car, you became the vehicle line director uh, once you got SVT up and running and Coletti moved from, he was the program manager, if I believe, for SN95. Then he became, he followed you in the engineering side, SVE. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so vehicle line director, you re, I mean, you worked with John, so that must have been pretty easy for you to hand the reins off. <laughs> you know, I don't know who was more challenging, John Coletti or John Platt, right? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, the, the test of wills, but um, yeah, Mike Zevelkink launched, launched the SN95, and then uh, I, I moved in and then right after he launched it. And uh, we started working on the 1996 Mustang and putting the four valve engine, the two valve into the uh, GT and the four valve into the Cobra. Wow, what a, now that it was a huge challenge. But if you recall, that's when Mustang really started getting headlines when the mod motor came in. Yep. Um, but before you did that, Janine, you did a couple of crazy things. One thing I know you were involved with because your background is in chemical engineering, were you somehow messing around with that removable hardtop for Mustang? We were. It only wound up on the Cobra. What happened? Well, remember Heinz Prechter at, uh, oh, shoot, uh, ASC? Oh, yes. Summer? Yep, yep. That's, that's who was uh, coming up with concept models. You know, what happened is it was heavy and it was expensive. Mm -hmm. And it just never could get legs, you know? We, you know, it was sort of like, how do you try and do little, little niche things so that um, you could keep the product alive and get excitement in it? And that one just, we just couldn't get it off the ground. So the 95 Cobra convertible was the only Mustang that was offered with it. Although, Janine, I have to tell you, I've been, Mike, I think you had at one time, did you have the yellow Mustang registry at Mustang Memories behind World Headquarters, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we do have a couple members with them, them hardtop cars. Yeah, it, they said there were two GTs that somebody said, well, Janine Bay and the Mustang team was messing with this on actual GT Mustangs. And some guy told me that the paint didn't adhere well in some colors. So 
they worked on black and I know the, the convertibles in black. So he told me that Janine, but he said there are two of them that got loose. Mustang, were, Mike, do they say they were GT Mustangs? Yeah, I believe they are. And uh, like I said, I know Trupiano has one oh. um, that's usually, and he usually has a special display for the hardtop that he puts in another spot right next to his car at Mustang Memories every year. So Janine, one of your prototypes got away. Uh, well, wouldn't be the first time, right? <laughs> no, it won't. But the other thing that you were messing with, and uh, the reason I've been chasing you for a little bit, um, because you're talking I, about Barney, aren't you? I'm I'm talking about Barney. I'm talking about the Mystic Cobra, because yep. that club has been. I mean, they tried to shake down Tim Boyd, and all he would say is, "That was Janine. I didn't know anything." The John Plant Janine started that before I got there. But that was that was with BASF and color. That was I. You know, he did speak to that club, and we had they had a reunion at Carlisle this uh -huh. past year. But they all said, if they ever get a chance, they certainly like to talk to you. Because who came up with that idea? Was it really Steve Celine? Was it the paint company that came to you? Are you guys still trying to find some really cool things for Cobra? What was the genesis of the Mystic Cobra? I think it was more the paint companies coming to us. And, you know, the controversy behind that was that some of the pigment in there is the same pigment they use to make money. And consequently, then the, um, I would say, formulation of it was um, pretty secret. You know, they didn't really want to let it out. Because, you know, my first job at Ford, I came to Ford from a paint company working on uh, as a paint chemist. Well, then you must have loved this whole idea. You were involved, weren't you? I was. I loved it a lot. You know, I learned how to paint a paint chemist. You know, you have to test all your products and all that. So, yeah, I was uh, painting car panels and all kinds of stuff before I came to Ford. So, yeah, that the uh, Mystic paint was really interesting and it's blooming expensive. Yes. So the other the other challenge was, OK, so you do this. And what happens if somebody gets in an accident and they need to have it repaired? Is it repairable? And so on and so forth. So, you know, we made 2,000 of them. We sold every one of them. I regret I did not buy one. I oh. regret that. Well, you definitely were, uh, your name keeps being brought up there and the negotiations with, uh, I think it was BASF at the time and the work, there, there was a lot of work. It didn't just happen. I mean, it happened well before 1996. Right. So you were working on that for a while and then you pulled the trigger and it is now Janine, one of the most collectible Cobras um, because of that pain. And they had an entire reunion. Mike, I forgot how many cars, uh, mystic cars. Mike, did we have over 40 of them there at Carlisle Nationals last year or 35? Yeah, in 40 and 50 at least that we had there uh, this year. In one place, Janine. Cool. So what we did is since Tim Boyd could not answer all their questions about the paint, and I could not get you to come because you were busy in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, he <laughs> gave them, here's what he gave them, a bunch of SVT polo shirts that he had saved and worn once. They're game-worn jerseys. And he'd, we gave they gave them away to the Mystic Cobra Club in Pennsylvania, about 20 of them. You'd think I was giving them Bitcoins. Really? So if you saved any of your SVT apparel, Janine, you could sell that on eBay. I have a lot of it. <laughs> I bet you do. So after the line, I, I heard one place I was reading about you and they, they said you, you're launching the Cobra. You were, you know, you wish probably that you could have launched Coletti's Terminator uh, with that much power because you didn't have that at your disposal for the 93 Cobra, although the 93 Cobra uh, is, is super collectible now. What role did the Cobra R models play in launching that car and continue to play? 
they were sort of, you know, you talk about there wasn't any advertising budget. They were the advertising, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it was it was basically a 1993 Cobra race ready. You know, we removed about, what, 450 pounds, put bigger brakes. So, you know, in essence, all the creature comforts were gone out of the car, as you well know. You know, manual windows, no AC, no sound absorber. You go back to your previous job, and uh, it was like... Uh, what all the magazines wanted to drive. Oh, yeah. So it just sort of provided the umbrella for, uh, I'll say, the more cushy version of the 93 Cobra. <laughs> well, I, I know this, that uh, uh, Clant was very interested in engaging not just the road-going Cobra people, but those who were into road racing, because he was all into turning left and right on road courses. I know, but did you ever drive with them? Uh, I just once, and I won't do it anymore. I know, right? Uh, he's he you know i i took the bob bondurant school of high performance performance driving course as every svt guy was required to do um but john does he look at the road at all (laughs) it's just or you just feel it yeah though he's a scary he was a scary guy but you know janine i i didn't have that much time with you my boss jim sawyer did he wrote about you and i got to meet you at one press event but um you when you moved on one of the things you said wasn't necessarily the Cobra that was your highlight, but you were really proud of the 99, the the refresh. And you had to launch that as vehicle line director. I did. So we did the V6, the GT, and the Cobra in uh, the mainstream product development. So SVT did not do the 99 Cobra. So you got, oh man, you had the whole thing on your plate. We did. And you know, but gosh, I had the most wonderful team. Oh my goodness. I had Paul Giltman, who was my suspension guy. I don't know. Yes, he worked on He stayed at SVT uh, Engineering for a while. Gilton was a hell of an engineer. He was. And, you know, he used to work for some of the race teams on the side. So, I mean, he, I still keep touch with Paul. He's an awesome guy. But, you know, like I said, we just had an amazing team that pulled it off. And, you know, we were also, by the way, on a compressed timeline. For the 99? Yes, we were. And so part of the things that, you know, and I don't know if I should probably say this, but I, I guess I will. You know, one of the problems you have as a vehicle line director is sort of keeping management under control. Sure, that, that's part of it, yeah. One of the horrible things that would happen is, you know, the senior management would sort of grab their coffee in the late in the evening and do their strolls through the design center and start tweaking the cars. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're on a a compressed timeline, we can't afford that. And so we actually drew up a contract. Jack Nasser was um, in charge at the time. We actually drew up a contract and had Jack sign it that said he wouldn't go through the studio and make changes at night. (laughs) Oh, Lord. (laughs) For you to do that, that's pretty... I don't think anybody could have done that. I don't know how you did that, but... (laughs) No, uh... Then when that thing, I mean, that it was refreshed and, uh, you know, it, it didn't hit as, as strong as people thought it would have. Um, and, it, you know, the new edge design gradually came in. And, you know, like you said, Mustang is something that constantly needs that little uh, push in the back to keep people interested. And, and that's about the time when you said, you know what, uh, you headed off. Was it, was it um, export market? Did you consider exporting the Mustang before, at, way back on the SN95? We did. And I can't remember exactly what happened. I know some of them got out. 
Yeah, there were some that did get out. Some SVTs got out too in 2000. But um, that that may have changed a little bit of the direction for it. It wasn't exported till just this last generation. But, you know, the guys like Mike Ray, who was really interested in an SVO and bought one, and, and then he watched SVT, you guys really kept moving the needle each and every year. And then after you launched a 99, you wound up uh, to go to all fuel and and did you wind up doing, was it accessories or vehicle personalization, that whole operation? I was the managing director of uh, vehicle personalization. So I had a team in uh, Germany, a team in uh, the Far East, and then you know, our team in the U.S. It was actually, actually, and I'm putting this in quotes, a development rotation for me to move me out of product development into marketing. Uh, okay. It was a fun job, though. Yeah, you, you know, I remember you there. And Mike, were you saying something about, now, you said either Jeep or Mustang is the most personalized vehicle. I know SEMA keeps talking about Mustang, but Mike, is it still Jeep or, or does Mustang, as far as a car goes, I'm sure it's it's Mustang, right, Mike? Jeep is Jeep is the most uh, personalized vehicle uh, in the world, and Mustang is the most domestic car, um, you know, customized. So it would make sense, Janine, that if you'd have to earn your chops doing not just Mustang, but the the specialty Mustang before you wind up going, you'd be the perfect person to run vehicle personalization because they did all kinds of stuff. And that is that still, was that run as a profit center? Yes. So there's, there's money in it even for Ford, not just the aftermarket. Correct. What do you feel about the aftermarket, Janine? Do you believe that there's, I mean, Ford's only going to go so far and there's always going to be a room for people like the ones that Mike deals with, like uh, classic design concepts or CJ pony parts these, these companies who are just in business just to do Mustang stuff. I think there will always be that. I mean, people just want to make their car theirs, not to look like everybody else's necessarily. Well, I, Mike does have them at um, Mustang Memories, and a lot of them are there, and they make things that Ford uh, doesn't make. Mike, one thing we talked about like that was with the Mach 1 was the shaker scoop. And then, Janine, you know, when you're trying to do a major program, and you say, well, the car should have this, that, or the other thing. Some things just don't make, you know, the cutting room floor. They're enthusiasts like them, uh, but they, it didn't make it. And this current Mach 1 did not get a shaker. But guess what? <laughs> I think, is it CDC, Mike, that does the, somebody got in on the aftermarket and got in to make a shaker hood for the current Mach 1. And when I asked the chief engineer, he said, well, that's good. Because, you know, we couldn't get it sold. It didn't make a whole lot of financial sense for, for Ford. So, we all think, uh, somebody asked Coletti, was it, you were mad that Shelby was in business and Steeda and Celine, they're all taking business out of your Cobra. And he said, no, because every time you build one of those, you have to buy a Mustang. That's exactly right. <laughs> so Janine, uh, you've had this long and lustrous career. Uh, now that you're you know off in the other side of the world, do you get to drive Mustangs? Do you get any inclusion in the hobby out there? Uh, do you, have you had a Mustang in your garage for a while? What was your favorite one? Well, I have a 99 Cobra convertible. Of course, it's red with the tan top and tan interior. Perfect. Perfect. So, Mike, are you going to get Janine to get that, that Mustang Memories the next time she's uh, in Detroit? We put that on display. I would absolutely love to have her uh, in person and at, at one of the events. That would be so great. Do you ever come back to Michigan, Janine? And speaking of Dearborn. I am here right now. I I left Wyoming on uh, January 2nd and followed the storm back here. So I was behind it all the way and uh, arrived on uh, 25 hours later. 
And I don't know how long I'm here for though. Well, you need to come back in August, but I wanted to also touch on, you said um, you were born and raised in Dearborn as uh, as I was. Um, did you go to Etzel Ford? Is that where you went? I did. I went to Fordson. So uh, both Dearborn uh, parties there for us. Yes. So Mike, when is the big SVT reunion? Are we going to do it uh, behind World Headquarters at uh, Mustang Memories? Yeah, we're trying to do that um, this year at Mustang Memories. Um, and Gene, I don't know if you heard about that show, but it's the day after the Woodward Dream Cruise, and we're the largest single-day uh, show, um, a Ford show um, in the country. Well, you know, I might be able to make it this year, Mike, in the past. So I sit on um, the National School Board, and every August at that same time is when we do our meeting. But um, my term ends on 1st of April, and so I will uh, likely be able to perhaps come back for that. That would be absolutely amazing. John, we could set up something really, really nice with Janine. Well, Janine would be perfect to come back after all these years and her contribution to get the SVT group started and what she did with Mustang and the team Mustang with SN95, keeping this thing going, the, the mod motor Cobra, I mean, all the things that she touched. And a lot of people, you know, they, they still talk about the hard top. They still, Mystic is still a super high collectible. All the things you did, Janine, there's a huge following, and they'd love to get to meet you. Maybe you, you can do a uh, be part on a panel discussion. Uh, we can try to get all of the team back. Uh, we don't have Mr. Plant anymore, bless his heart, but we'll have we'll try to get Coletti back. And Tim Boyd's still around. Tom Scarpello, a lot of the engineers, Tom Chapman, Dave Dempster, Bill Lane, some of those guys that helped SVE turn into SVT. And Janine, you sure played a great role. Thank you for all you've done for the Mustang community. Hey, it was a it was a good run. <laughs> so, well, I'm, I hate to tell you this, but we're going to keep bugging you. Um, we we love to get you more engaged in the enthusiast community. I think we've just poked the bear. Everyone's going to say, oh, God, Janine Bay. They, I heard you on the podcast. So um, I'll try to filter all of their requests and send them to you. Uh, you'll certainly um, know that um, your name hasn't been forgotten. You've been very busy. I know out there there's a lot of things to do. And uh, you're very successful in that real estate business, and you're on all those boards. But Jeanine, you might need to take some time to re-engage with our Mustang community because we love you. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Mike, nice talking with you. You too, Janine. Um, John, I, you know, we're, I mean, we were just talking about that Automotive Hall of Fame uh, event that has been confirmed today on Thursday, and they were talking about putting a nice little panel together, um, along with Jack Telnek, yourself, and, my, and me. Um, Janine would fit in perfect there. Well, she'd be awesome. If Janine was there, I could call Coletti and get him to come off Harrison's Island, and he would love. <laughs> he, I think, if I had the right person, he would come in and, and sit with us. Janine, you might be that that person. So, yeah, we'll definitely be in touch with you, uh, Mike. Let's keep that uh, keep that opportunity open. I'll I'll, I'll be happy to send stuff to Janine, and uh, hopefully, we'll get her back to where she belongs. And and that's in everybody's minds and hearts again, Janine. Thank you. Thanks again. Yeah, and thank you for all you've done, Janine. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast with Janine Bateski, otherwise known as Janine Bay Superstar and the beginner of SVT. Um, we owe a lot to her and all those people that started some of the great Mustangs that we remember. And until next time, I'm your host, John Cloran, for Mike Gray and Janine Bay. Uh, we'll catch you down the road.